Our scripture today comes from Proverbs, the chap- chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Hear the reading of the word. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. There's an outline for you this morning, and hope that you'll find that helpful as we look at God's Word together. Uh, Jeff up in the booth has told me that uh, I have to be straddled to the pulpit because my lapel mic is not working. That is so frustrating. I enjoy walking around, but so I'm, Jeff, I'm going to be cooperative today and uh, do my best. We have been exploring. Uh, things that sometimes come into our home and our families to disrupt family life. And the theme of this series has been, it's a jungle out there. And to, to kind of look at some serious issues, we have uh, hopefully used some humorous metaphors to help us draw attention to what some of those things are. We've talked about the elephant in the room. we talked about the 800-pound gorilla. we talked about the deer in the headlights. This morning, we come to another predator. I don't know if you read about Johnny and Laura Benson. They are a young couple, married couple, living out in Colorado. And uh, I don't know if you saw what happened at their wedding about two or three weeks ago. The wedding went fine. Uh, Afterwards, they're walking to their reception, uh, which was just a short distance away, and they're walking through a field. The photographer is following them because it's going to be an opportunity to get some more photos. And there he's in his tux, she's in her wedding gown, and uh, they're traipsing through uh, the, the, the grass, making their way to the reception. When all of a sudden, Johnny feels this sharp hit on his ankle. And he looks down, and lo and behold, there's a four-foot-long rattlesnake that has just bit him on the ankle. And, you know, he falls to the ground in a panic. She does her best to comfort him, and she's waving her arms to get some help. This is in a a park, and so a park ranger is driving by. He sees the bride waving. He just thinks that that she's being nice, so he shouts out, Congratulations, and keeps on driving. Finally, they were able to get some help, He goes by ambulance to the hospital. He spends the next two or three hours in the emergency room. Thankfully, they conclude that it was what they called a dry bite in which no venom was actually injected into his foot. And so they treated him and sent him back to the reception and all was well. I doubt any of us ever started our family, our marriage, with a literal snake in the grass. However, I've come to realize that over the course of time, many of us in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, deal with the infamous snake in the grass. If you were to look up a definition of what a snake in the grass is, here's some definitions that you would see. 
a conniving, lying, evil person. Someone who pretends to be a friend while secretly doing things to harm you. A sneaky, despised person. Snake in the grass is a shady, conniving person who would strike without warning. A person who is sneaky and would do anything to protect themselves and harm others. You probably know a snake in the grass. You've probably come across one over the course of your life. More significantly, you might be a snake in the grass and don't even know it. Having snakes in the grass nearby is not a good thing. It's not good for our relationships. It's not good for family life. How many of you would intentionally bring a snake into your house and just let it roam around? I doubt anybody would do that. We might have some crazy snake lovers in here. I don't know. Many, many, many years ago, I was a junior in college, and I was living in the dorm at Huntington College, and down at the other end of the hall was a student who kept a pet snake in his room. And it was a, I forget, maybe like a king snake, a black snake, or whatever, uh, and it's about four feet long, and he had it in an aquarium-type deal on his, on his uh, chest of drawers, and one day his snake goes missing. Now, he didn't tell any of us for a day or two, but after a day or two, he realized that, you know, this was serious and he better let somebody know. So he informed everybody in the dorm that his snake was somewhere in the building. For two weeks, for two weeks, we live in dread and fear of this snake. I mean, I didn't have to drink a whole lot of coffee during those two weeks to stay awake. You know, I just slept with one eye open. Finally, after about two, two and a half weeks, sure enough, this snake comes crawling, slithering out of an air conditioning duct, a floor above where he had escaped. That was a weird sensation. Listen, as long as there is a snake in the grass in your home, nobody's able to relax. Nobody is able to trust one another. And it's not healthy for family life. Just last week, maybe two weeks ago now, you probably heard about the python that escaped from the Atlanta Zoo. Remember that? For four or five days, nobody had any idea where it was. I promise you, the most welcome headline in the Atlanta paper last week was, Python found, returned to its habitat. Nobody likes a snake in the grass, literal or figurative. Now, if you know anything about snakes, you know that you can identify snakes by their markings, uh, by a certain design marking on their back. You can tell a lot about a snake. You can identify what uh, what, what kind of snake it is. You can identify what part of the country its natural habitat is you can determine if it's poisonous or not all kind of things the same is true about snakes in the grass 
they can be identified by their markings. In other words, there are certain unique character traits that give insight into who they are and how they live. Some snakes in the grass have all of these markings. Some snakes in the grass might just, however, have one. But they're a snake in the grass nonetheless. Let's take a look at them. I've listed them here on your outline. The first is this. The first marking of a snake in the grass is devious. A snake in the grass might look virtuous and friendly and trustworthy on the outside, but they are cunning and conniving on the inside. Look at what Proverbs says. Whoever fears the Lord walks uprightly, but those who despise him are devious in their ways. A good example of snakes in the grass in the Bible are Joseph's brothers. You remember that story? Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, and the other brothers all knew that, and so they resented it, and they resented him, and so one day they developed this devious plan to get rid of their younger brother, Joseph. So while they're all out there in the field taking care of, of, of the crops, they decided we're going to take Joseph, we're going to beat him up, we're going to throw him in a pit and just leave him for the wild animals to eat. And that was devious enough, but they were really devious because they said, you know what, look, if we're going to destroy, if we're going to get rid of Joseph, let's at least get something out of it. So let's sell him, let's don't beat him and leave him for the animals, let's beat him and let's sell him as a slave when the caravans come by. And sure enough, that's what they did. A devious person is a snake in the grass. It's one of the marks. Here's another mark. Deceptive. Paul says this. They deceive the hearts of innocent people with smooth talk and flattery. If you're a snake in the grass, you keep things from your family. You deceive the people in your family. You cover up things about yourself you don't want them to know. If you're a snake in the grass, you don't tell your wife that you ran into an old flame several months ago and you've been talking once a week on the phone ever since. If you're a snake in the grass, you don't tell your spouse that you lost $1,000 in the poker game and to cover your losses, you went and took the money out of your savings account and kept it a secret. Years ago, I had a church member come to my office, uh, and he wanted to confess. He said a weakness that he had, and I, I couldn't imagine what that was. I mean, this was a young man who was uh, growing spiritually. He was engaged and involved in the life of his church and the life of the community. He seemed at all Uh, from outside appearances to be a great husband and father. And so I said, well, sure, come on. And so we we started the conversation. He said, Stuart, i got to tell you, um, I have a serious problem with gambling. He 
said, I don't think I'm addicted to gambling. And it, it drives my life. And it's gotten to a point where my losses are such that um, my wife and my kids are having to go without things that they really need. They don't know it. They have no idea of how much money I've lost. They don't even have any idea how addicted I am to gambling. Now, here was a young man doing a lot of wonderful things for his family. A lot of things about his life were were good. But because there was one thing that caused him to be deceptive in his relationship with his family, we had to come to terms with him that he was a snake in the grass. That's one of the marks. Deception. Are you guilty of deceiving your family about anything? And then third, look at that. There's dishonesty. Snakes in the grass lie. Snakes in the grass make things up. You never can know if you can believe them or trust them. Proverbs says this, Integrity guides the virtuous, but dishonesty ruins the treacherous. Listen, you cannot have a healthy home, a healthy, vibrant family life if one member of the family is prone to dishonesty. You can't trust one another. You don't know when that person's being truthful or not. You live in a constant state of suspicion. If you're in a family where one family member has an addiction, say like to alcohol or drug addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the characteristics of those individuals during their time of addiction, one of their most strongest attributes is dishonesty. They will say anything, they will make any lie in order to promote their habit. You ask any therapist, counselor in those situations dealing with addicts, it's terrible to say, but I've heard many of them say the same thing. When it comes to an addict in your family, you need to understand that if their mouth is moving, they're lying. That's a sad thing. But more often than not, It's true. Here's another mark of the snake in the grass. Disloyalty. Listen, a snake in the grass will smile to your face and then turn around and stab you in the back. A snake in the grass will act like a friend one minute and then the next day they drop you if it doesn't work out to their advantage. Look what the psalmist says. And he's speaking here of of the Hebrew people who chose not to be loyal to God and to one another during the time of the exodus. He says here in Psalms, they were disloyal and faithless as a faulty bow. 
that that image may not mean a lot to us, but that would have meant that would have been something very important living in that day. If you're in the wilderness, a faulty bow could be a big deal. Your bow was how you hunted and got food. Your bow was, was how you protected yourself from the enemy or predators. To have a faulty bow meant that you'd pull the bow and the, the, you had no idea which direction the arrow was going to go. You're not even sure if the bow would function at all. That's what a snake in the grass is known for, their disloyalty. We're right in the middle of a presidential election. I'm smart enough not to make reference to any current political candidate. So I'm not going to do that. But I want you to think back a few years ago, 8, 12 years ago. You remember that presidential candidate by the name of John Edwards? He, he was set to go all the way. He had it all. He had the looks. He had the smarts. He had the experience. He had the backing. He was going to be the next president. But all that came crashing down because of disloyalty. And I remember at the time a lot of people saying of him, boy, there is one snake in the grass. What was his disloyalty? While his wife is struggling through treatments for cancer, fighting for her life, he's having a love child with his mistress and denying it the whole time. Now, cheating on your wife, that's horrible enough. But what kind of man does that while your wife is battling cancer? That's a snake in the grass if ever there was one. Disloyal. And then finally, one of the markings of a snake in the grass is a propensity to destroy. Proverbs 11.9 says... With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. Snakes in the grass don't care who they hurt. They delight in causing others harm. A snake in the grass won't talk directly to you, but they love to talk destructively about you. They don't engage in gossip. They waddle in gossip, especially gossip that's designed to harm or impugn somebody's character or reputation. They will build you up so that they can come around later and tear you down. If you enjoy talking about others in ways that are intended to hurt, if you're prone to speaking rumors about people that could damage them, you've got some serious markings of a snake in the grass, whether you want to realize it or not. Just like to destroy. I love that story about 
a small village in which there was a, a woman who uh, made it her point to fabricate unflattering stories about the village preacher. As she reached her late years in life, she became ill and she began to feel guilty about all the stories she had fabricated and made up. And so she began to tell everybody that they were, there was no truth to them at all. And she went to the pastor and said, Pastor, I just want to ask, will you please forgive me? And the pastor said, well, of course I'll forgive you, but before I do that, would you just do one thing for me? She said, well, of course. He said, well, I want you to go home, go back to the, your farm, and, and get a black hen, kill it, pluck all the feathers off, put all those feathers in a basket, and bring it back here to me. Well, she thought that's a kind of a strange request, but okay. So she does it, kills the hen, gets the feathers, fills up the basket. She comes back to the pastor and says, all right, I've done what you asked. He said, all right, now here, here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to take the basket, and I want you to go to every street corner in the village, and I want you just to drop five or six feathers at every street corner. She did. She came back. She still had some left. She, he said, well, thank you, but there's one more thing before uh, we're done. I need for you to do. I said, go, he said, go up to the top of the bell tower in the middle of town and take the remaining feathers and just throw them to the wind and let them blow wherever the wind takes them. She did. She came back, showed the, the pastor the empty basket and said, all right, I've done everything you asked. He said, well, there's one last thing I need for you to do. Now I want you to go back and pick up every single feather so that every one of them is accounted for. She said, sir, that's impossible. I can't do that. He said, you know, you're exactly right. And neither can you undo the vicious, hurtful, harmful things that you've spoken about me through the years. But I forgive you anyway. Snakes in the grass love to destroy and harm. And they often do it with their tongue. All right, now I want you to look at this, these markings here. There's five of them. Devious, deceptive, dishonest, disloyal, and destroy. How many of those are Christian values and virtues? Not a one. How many of these can you see Christ himself doing or being engaged in? None. That means, folks, that for us as believers, as people who have aligned our lives with Jesus Christ, uh, that we live life by faith and trust in him, that means that for us there is no excuse in any of us being a snake in the grass because it means that if we are, we're acting in a nature completely inconsistent with who we are in Christ. So, if any of those markings 
can define us. What needs to happen? You know, I love to hear people talk about snakes, and there's always somebody who will say, well, that's a good snake. You need to leave that snake alone. That snake will take care of the bad snakes, and that, that snake will take care of the, you know, the rats and the mice and everything else. That, that's a good snake. I know not everybody's going to agree with what I'm about to say, but I know a lot of you agree 100% with me when I say the only good snake is a dead snake. All right? So what needs to happen? Whatever is in you, in your character, in your behavior, whatever you're currently engaged in, if it is even remotely indicative or reflective of one of these markings, that has to die in you in order for you to be the person God's calling you to be. That means you have to confess it. Quit deceiving. Quit being dishonest. Quit being disloyal. Confess that part of your life. Leave it. Hand it over to Christ so that he can take it and he can begin to transform you from a snake in the grass to a person of honesty and compassion and love that you're designed to be in the first place. No family can experience health and vitality if there's a snake in the grass among them. If you are one, if you even just have one of these markings, Please realize that you need to let that part of you die so that your home, your marriage, your family can experience greater joy and power and strength. Let's pray together. I want this prayer to be personal in the sense that we pray this prayer ourselves to God. It's a series of questions. Please ask yourself this question. How have I been devious? Have I in the past or am I currently deceiving my family? Covering things up that need to be in the full light of day. Is there anything about me that's being dishonest with my wife, my husband, my children, my friends?
have I ever been or am I currently disloyal to the people who need to know they can trust me unconditionally? Is there anything about me that delights in talking about others in ways that are hurtful or tears others down? Oh God, if there's something in our nature that we need to recognize. Make it clear to us even now. And know that your response is not to condemn or find fault with us. Your response is to forgive and heal and restore. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.